Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Bottoming, the LGBTQ mental health podcast about rock bottoming and beyond. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BottomingPod or visit BottomingPodcast.com for more content relating to each episode. We've also added a support page to the website to direct you to the right place if you're struggling or need someone to talk to. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. Hi, my name's Brendan. And I am Matthew, and our pronouns are he and him. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, we've just tried a lot of times to just do that basic (laughs) intro. Oh, Jesus. Uh, We did it, though, so... (laughs) Surprise! Surprise! This is, um, officially season four. It's the started, baby. It has started. Now... In the past, we, you know, we've built up and we've drip-fed and we've teased and we've done all the bits and it's not, we're not doing that this season. So we're doing, we're doing no <laughs> dripping, no feeding, no... We're just going to go, we're going in raw, just uh, from the off. My mother listens to this, Matthew. Um, as we mentioned in our Will Young Mental Health Awareness Week bonus episode... The last, the last season particularly really took out of us and we needed a bit of a break and we've mm-hmm. come into this season thinking... Let's take the pressure off. We, we, we think, along with the output, which was a lot, which we talked about last episode, we, um, we think the structure might have mm-hmm. been putting too much pressure on us as well mm. in terms of figuring out how many guests we're going to have at a certain time and we need to do them every two weeks and it needs to be very strict and professional Mm -hmm. and while that was really good for building the audience and building the content and you know seeming reliable to an extent um we've decided to take take the the what's it called the take your own medicine no no 
take <laughs> take the, the the bike things off the bike. What's the, the stabilizers? We're taking the stabilizers off the bike. Maybe if that's I don't what think that that's means. That's the right metaphor. <laughs> and we're running free with doing our own thing. So we're free riding now. With you know, you might get an episode in two weeks. You might get mm-hmm. one in three weeks. You might get one in four. You might get one twice a week. Very we unlikely, but yeah, we, we don't know, and you don't know, and that is going to be the joy of the season because yeah. all of the guests that we have lined up are all amazing, mm-hmm. um, and it just gives us yet yeah, all a little bit more flexibility, less pressure, mm-hmm. and keeps you on your toes. Which Absolutely, keeps and it us gives on our you, toes too. <laughs> uh, yeah, more importantly, and it gives you uh, even more of a reason to subscribe because. Who, who knows? Who knows when we're going to be releasing These surprise drops worked for Beyonce. So, you know, there we go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway, today's episode, we're speaking to Jack Rook, who um, only came on my radar recently with the trailer of Big Boys, the Channel mm-hmm. 4 show, which is coming out this week, or it'll be tomorrow, if you're listening on the Wednesday. And um, yeah, and then I've gone back to to listen and watch a few of his his previous work, and very blown away to be honest. is is very mm-hmm. talented, hilarious. Mm-hmm. He's got a great story, full of experiences, and he makes a joke about writing a memoir at twenty five. But mm-hmm. he's been through a lot, so yeah. like, why the why the fuck not <laughs> write a memoir at twenty five? Yeah. Um, Amen. We had fun, didn't we? Yeah, it was a really really fun interview actually um yeah it was just super easy from the start and also the amount of things that we touched on that were not in the questions <laughs> such as the you know life-changing experience that was charlie xx at alexandra palace for example let's ride um our joint love of broad city oh. all of those things as well as all of the amazing work he's done uh-huh. and the incredible new season that's coming up um on channel four yeah so before we get into that very meaty interview yeah how are you being yeah i was actually just sitting thinking about it because I, I i haven't thought about that for a second but yeah i'm um i'm good because so i i finally did my exam last monday it was very difficult it was hard and so because that was so difficult i just signed off myself because <sighs> you just never I get rarely free get time, time do you, do you know mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and what did we do to get some downtime? We went to Brighton and that was we went beautiful. To it was we went with fantastic. Yeah, one of our very, very good friends, Ben, mm. also known as Benjamin Dean, esteemed award nominated all around icon, um, children's author, and mm-hmm. soon to be young adult author with his new book, The King is Dead, which is out in July. Um, yeah, we had a gorgeous day. Mm-hmm. We went on the I was going to say slot machines. We didn't do that, did we? We went on the dance mat. Well, you went on the dan- dance mat. Yeah. We had a little... <laughs> Very talented, thank you. <laughs> and we had some cocktails because mm-hmm. I also had the day off work and it was it was bloody gorgeous, wasn't it? But tonight, actually, we're going to Busy Being Black live at Shoreditch House with Travis Alabanza. And can't bloody wait. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've wanted the see Travis speak for a long time haven't we mm-hmm. so yeah I'm really looking forward to it and also seeing Josh in person yeah but how are you babes 
Um, yeah, I'm all good. Um, I the only positive, well, not the only positive. The only thing I'm going to share that was eventful, um, apart obviously from our gorgeous trip to Brighton, um, is that I finally convinced my GP to give me more hay fever medication after years of suffering. So now I'm on higher dosages. Has it made a difference? And not enormously, no. But we're on the way to eventually getting um, one of those injections that apparently is like a unicorn to try and find in the NHS. But you're right. basically given like injections to build your immune system up, and it can basically cure almost, but never actually. So that was a big, a big jump, yeah, for me. Mm. I mean, <laughs> other than that, I've just been working. We've been having a good time in the sun. We went to Brighton. Yeah. Organising more episodes, mm-hmm. some very exciting episodes. Um, yeah. So another thing that drew us to Jack and the topic was that it's about grief, really. The, mm. One of the main th- core themes of the show is grief. And uh, because Jack lost his dad at a young age and also his best friend to suicide. So because we haven't spoken about that before, we've never wanted to like latch on to someone just because they've had a story. The fact that Jack's got a TV show coming out and he speaks about it in this way and uses comedy in this way is what I guess attracted us to the topic mm-hmm. and gave us the opportunity to talk about that because neither of us have really lost anyone close to us like that before. Uh, yeah, one of the reasons obviously we do this podcast is so we can like laugh at some of the maybe more difficult things. We haven't had the opportunity to do this side of it before. Mm-hmm. And not that we want to like laugh at death and laugh at grief because that's not what it is, but Jack kind of sums up really nicely as like the reason and why that's the way he does things mm-hmm. um and yeah why he's why he's put that into his work so it was just yeah as brendan said it was amazing to chat to him and also shout out to um deborah from channel four who was yeah just fantastic in organizing this for us oh, so, sweetheart. Mm, and i guess with that we'll just hand it right over so here is jack <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Jack Rook. I'm a comedian, writer. Um, my pronouns are he, him, and my position is undecided. <laughs> I could be a top, I could be a bottom, I could be both, I could be neither. Quite honestly, I've, I've not got the energy or the mental coherence to try and figure it out this side of 30. Um, Do you know what? That's the best way, isn't it? Just roll with it. Yeah. 100%. Just roll with it. I mean, yeah. yeah. I saw Charlie XCX the other night and I was in a group of um, lovely queer men who were kind of going around one by one, sort of um, in the spirit of Charlie XCX, giving, sticking their flag in, you know, what, what they were. And it got to me and I just thought, I need a drink. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. We've got seven tops here and three bottoms. We can't be bothered to compete. I'm not. Wow, I'm, that proportion. I, yeah. That proportion, that is, And at Charlie XCX as well. That is rare. That's rare. <laughs> that, that, put it this way. There are some boys that got the bus and there are some boys that walked. And I was walking. So, you know. Anyway. So, Matthew was at also. Yeah, I was at Charlie XCX. Wasn't oh, it incredible? You? Yeah. Were you the one who dropped their poppers on the North Great Northern <laughs> Railway train? <laughs> Somebody dropped their poppers on the Northern Railway train. I honestly thought my I, my head was swelling up. <laughs> my favourite bit was the trans flag with Princess Diana on. Ah, die! I thought that was that was a proper moment, though. 
yeah, it was. Touching, I, I sort very of thought, touching. Yeah, very touching. Very yeah. touching because it's always good to remember princess. I went to Paris two, three weeks ago and I went with my friend Siobhan and we were like, let's do all the touristy spots, let's do all the touristy spots. And I was like, no, I want to stand at the foot of the tunnel and cry for two minutes. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, want to, I want to go on a Princess Diana tour. Like, what does she do? <laughs> she went to the Ritz. Apparently that's burnt down. Like, I, I was, I sort of, I'd never been to Paris before and I just felt the spirit of, uh, of our die the whole time. One of our best mates, yeah, one of our best mates did exactly the same a few weeks ago and he went oh, really? with a mate and, yeah, and she was like, why would you want to go and see where she died? And he was like, because uh, Princess Diana, like, why would I not want to go and yeah. see the tunnel? Have you so, heard of respect? Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard of paying one's respect? Thank you. <laughs> you know, Christ yeah. alive. I, I, all I really want my show about grief to do is empower people to get the year I start to Paris. Well, that was going to be the first question before we get on to the new show, um, which comes out this week. This episode yeah. will be coming out this week as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about the theatre shows that stemmed from? Mm. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, Happy Hour and Good Grief. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, really, all of my um, career kind of started as being a live performer and doing, like, fringe comedy theatre type stuff and open mics. Mm. And for a while, I, you know, I, I, I often identify as a recovering spoken word artist because <laughs> I did some really shite poems for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I then I would sort of do these poems, but they would essentially be like funny lists. And I just would sort of expand upon the list and expand upon the anecdotes. And then I started writing a sort of full-length show because I was studying journalism and I wanted to make a documentary about grief with my nan. Mm. And I wanted to make a documentary about my dad passed away when I was 15 and my nan was 80. And we both had almost quite similar experiences of what it's like to lose a parent and lose a child in, in the way people treated us and in the way people kind of couldn't really, mm. I don't know, broach the subject of grief with us in a way that didn't feel like they they thought we were the most awkward blobs in the world. So we and, and we always found it really funny, like having 26 lasagnas turn up at your door the week your dad's died, like that sort of mad British stuff because people don't really know how to help, but they're helping anyway in some mm. weird, wonderful mm -hmm. way. And then, yes, yeah, so I wanted to make a documentary, but I didn't have any money. And and I, when I graduated from uni, I couldn't keep on, like, trying to steal equipment and steal cameras and mics <laughs> and whatever. So I, like, filmed the bulk of this interview with my nan just before I graduated, like, literally, like, with two weeks to go till they wouldn't let me back on campus so I could, like, use all the tech. And then, and then tried to make this documentary with her about grief and couldn't do it. And then, because I'd been doing, like, little bits of, like, open mics, whatever... I met this woman from the Arts Council who was like, we could give you money to make it like a live comedy theatre show that where you spoke and did your little poems and your little stories and then played snippets of film and mm. multimedia footage throughout. And I was like, well, great. I'll just become a performance artist. What a wonderful, weird, <laughs> like, diversion. <laughs> and so, yeah, I kind of didn't, I've not done any journalism ever since, really, and, and took that show, got some funding to take that show to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And I was in, like, the... the Good grief for the first show was in the, the worst slot in the tiniest venue. It, there was definite damp. I do think it's like the long-term <laughs> risk of that is that I have I have got asthma and sometimes I need the brown pump too. And it was definitely spending a whole month in a cave. And then, and then yeah, and then the show kind of, we opened the show and it was like, oh yeah, I've got 12 people in. And then it was like 18 people and then it was like 30 people. And then like, I mean, it was only a 50-seater, but by like the second week we'd had like, five five star reviews or something stupid and then 
And then all these industry people came in and it was so funny because people like, I, I couldn't really fit the mold of what you're supposed to do when you have a theater show like that, that you're supposed to like, when the stage review you, it's like, what theater school did you go to? Who did you train with? Mm. What class are you mm. of this? Blah, blah, blah. And I had none of the stats. I was like <laughs> one of those Pokemon cards that <laughs> slipped through the gap. They're like, who is she? Where is she? <laughs> who is she? Um, and, and it was quite nice because I sort of managed to fuck quite a lot of theater people, theater snobs off, which I think mm. actually is sort of like led me to falling more into the comedy side of things where it's a bit mm. more like you can come from any background and any route. Um, but yeah, I, I, and yeah, and so I took it to Edinburgh, and then, and then there was the day where I think one of the Radio Four Comedy Commissioners came in and and really loved it, and she mm. was sat next to someone from the New York Times, and I think she was like, "Shit, we should commission this because he's managed to like <laughs> actually get like good press in." And, mm. then, and then yeah, and then I wrote it as a Radio Four special, mm. which I think came out about five years ago now, and then naturally. I just then went to sort of mm. TV show. But then, then, I mean, in the middle of that time, I wrote a second show called Happy Hour, which I think Big Boy's story-wise is a bit more based on, which was a kind of live letter that I read to the audience, where the audience was sort of a, a friend of mine that I went to uni with, sort of talking about, you know, that whole uni experience and going there and coming out. And at the core of it, it was a sort of show about like a, a gay, straight friendship about mm. sort of two boys being friends and, and helping each other and, and having very individual things going on, but kind of doing it side by side the whole time, which I, I really liked as an impetus for a sort of live show. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and then, and then, yeah, and then Big Boys was sort of pulled out of that. But Amazing. I also always feel like a real bit of a disclaimer because I really love the Edinburgh Fringe and I'm really sort of proud to have come from it. But I mm. also at the same time to like anyone listening who might be in the arts, like it's an immensely inaccessible festival. Like it's mm. a real, it costs so much money. It's like it puts people into thousands of pounds worth of debt. I was going to say hundreds of thousands of pounds, but if you're in hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of debt, <laughs> then you've, you've really gone. Out. You've done something wrong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I'm we're sure trading places now. <laughs> exactly. Well, where's your own point? I know, it's hard enough just to get to Newcastle. <laughs> that yeah, the extra 45 minutes up. But, you know, um, I sort of, yeah, I feel a bit odd about the Fringe because when I went, I was like the last year where Ideas Tap existed. If you ever mm. remember Ideas Tap, which was this like, cultural fund for you know helping young people make creative stuff and come from all sorts of backgrounds and i was the last one to sort of like kind of get in in that era and and actually at every time of my sort of arts career i've benefited from public money i've mm. always benefited from that sort of outreach stuff and arts council england funds and big boys which i'm sure we'll talk about in a bit was co-funded with the bfi young audiences content fund which mm. is you know a specific bit of money to like help people make tv for young people that resonated with young people and that was specifically for you know um young voices as well mm. okay. um and then you know every every time every juncture i get there it looks like the government are trying to bloody shut it down or cut it <laughs> or whatever so i always <laughs> just get in the door and then and then i'm like trying to bring people up with me and then you know the the fuckers have shut the, the door. door closes yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that's quite and when you're the last one in <laughs> you know you'll be the first one out so yeah. it's a precarious situation for me even um but well yeah. we really hope not um <laughs> but 
we listened to um, the adaptation of Good Grief for BBC Radio 4, oh, and I great. really loved those clips, actually, mm. with you and your nan. It was just yeah. really touching, and it does add that uh, just a different layer, especially to like um, a stand-up comedy show. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And it, it's, it kind of like brings you into the memory of it as a listener, um, or I guess as a participant in the audience as well, it would have done the same. Um, but we actually did a, an episode with Rosie Jones, the oh. unbelievably talented, gorgeous. You've got to warn comedian. me when you're going to mention my girlfriend, you know. <laughs> you absolutely have to warn me when you're going to mention her. That's awkward. <laughs> so sorry. Um, but we had a conversation all about the power of humour, and um, which was obviously incredible. But listening to your show listening to the jokes about you know all of the lasagnas that you were judging and burying a bag for life because (laughs) it outlived your dad and your bereavement counsellor farting in a session with you and your mum it seems like you have a good uh, perspective on the dark things Um, have you always used humour in this way to frame your experiences? Yeah, I think so. And and completely not by design. I think just because naturally that that was mine and my mum's coping mechanism. Mine and my, yeah. it's, you know, I've not become a comedian because I, I've been trying to find a way of making it funny. Like it was funny. It was just funny <laughs> to go through those experiences. It was funny to, to, you know, go through the sort of shock of loss sometimes. Like, you know, I always think laughter and crying operates on the exact same like line. They tread the mm-hmm. exact same line, and I can be doing both at the same time. Mm-hmm. I've just got a text come through. Did you guys hear that? No, thankfully. Oh, it's no. an old friend. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so like I've always just felt like it's quite a funny experience to kind of go through grief, and especially within like a sort of British lens because Mm. historically i mean when i went through it it was like 2009 2010 and we didn't have as much of a kind of open broad mental health conversation as we perhaps do now so Mm. it was really tricky and people didn't know how to treat me and i and i did sort of feel like i walked into school and was like the boy whose dad died and Mm. that was just interesting rather than being like the fat boy who might be gay like like it really like you know it kind of gave me like a new identity at school Mm. and then like all the lads lads were a bit nice to me didn't mm. like, slam doors in my face anymore so mm. you know it's a it's a tricky one because I also like I, I always want the show to be funny and full of jokes and then and then and then, well anything I write I always want to be full of jokes I love writing jokes I, I always feel more like a comedian than anything else and because I've written about so many sad topics I think there's like a little contingency in the comedy comedian that are like you're not a comedian you're just a bloody sad boy or something like that I don't know <laughs> you know I've always, I've always been like no I've written some really good dick jokes or really yeah. good like you know Alison Hammond goldfish jokes or whatever so yeah um, but you know I think the comedy is just always naturally in those experiences and me and my mum mm. would just constantly be laughing and crying and laughing and crying and finding weird things that or just weird things people would text like <laughs> Somebody, <laughs> I remember somebody texting my mom, basically being like, "I can't imagine what it's like to be you," and I felt like, uh, like uh, after my dad died, I remember thinking, "Yeah, because you're a boring fucking bitch, Karen, and my mom's not." And yeah, we're going like, "What do you mean by that text? What do you? I can't Jesus. imagine what it's like to be you." Like people don't know how to deal with it, and and they don't know what you know. They don't know 
exactly how to like tread sensitively around loss so yeah. i'm always ho- kind of hoping that you know what i write is both funny and silly and like you know pushes the mark of those sort of awkward weird encounters but isn't mm. like trivializing anything and is still sort mm. of giving space and time for the you know the, the the processing side of things and and the actual you know the, the stuff that is true which was that you know ultimately it was it was fucking awful and mm. but you know the coping mechanism when saying it's fucking awful is to find some sort of like laughter and comfort in yeah that. yeah i mean that's I mean, you, yeah yeah i think we're going to say you the can... same thing like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's why we set this podcast up <laughs> like that was the whole reason for setting this up because we both had a really shit time very yeah. different experiences yeah and then what we'd always like make the worst jokes about things to be like <laughs> yeah yeah I... for some people that doesn't work and other people it's it's the way that they need to do it mm-hmm. 100% 100% and I mean I I really self-indulgently wrote a book which is such a I cannot I still can't get over I did that because I'm just like you absolute narcissist you wrote a book about being 25 like shut up and I, but at the same time I like really wanted there to be a really funny book on grief because I was like yeah. it's the only the only way that I I've tried reading other sort of memoirs or even like some even memoirs that I think they're comic ones that I'm being a shady bitch. <laughs> there weren't. They were. um, <laughs> well, it didn't make me laugh. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, no, I want to write one called Cheer the Fuck Up. Because I remember my mum always telling me that. You mm, know? Yeah. But, it, but in a way where you're like saying Cheer the Fuck Up out of love, like out of yeah. almost like desperation, out of rooting for someone, out of being scared because you don't know. Like, you know, me and my mum would constantly just be like, oh, come on, let's cheer the fuck up. Come on. Come on, like, <laughs> pull yourself together, and I, and you know, I, I love that sentiment, and I think that's sort of I've managed to kind of drip that into big boys. You know, those two characters, mm. they'll have a moment, and then they'll be like, "Right, come on, come the fuck on, Bridget, <laughs> yeah. we're getting back, we're getting back." Right, like, because life moves on, it it you know yeah. it, it continues, and you kind of mm. you've got to find those coping mechanisms that aren't going to allow you to become too saccharine or schmaltzy or you know bogged mm. down or sentimental or whatever like there are always moments for that but ultimately you know you gotta keep rolling mm. you kind of touched on this a little bit when you were talking about going back to school after your dad died and about the like the mm. loneliness or the change of how people treated you it was mental health awareness week early this month and we spoke to will young about it in this year's topic is loneliness mm. um you've mentioned as i said about like the isolation that you feel can you expand on that a little bit like whether because going back to school you're obviously surrounded by people so it's not the physical isolation and loneliness is it it's more of the i guess mental and emotional isolation yeah 100 percent. i mean I've, I've always thought that all of my work and any the only thing that would string together a lot of the dodgy things i've done the good things i've done and all the work that i've made in the the field of it is that it's all actually about loneliness it's all about Mm. that experience of being like am i the only one going through this at this time and the answer is yes and no obviously Mm. not you know but you're you're sometimes not you know you don't know that you're not the only one going through it when you're going through it and i think loneliness is something that whether or not I, I, I mean I've experienced it numerous times in my life and I and I do experience it all the time I mean I, I even felt like there was a little brief moment at Charlie XCX when I was surrounded by seven tops and three yeah. buttons <laughs> so I was like god actually I feel like this sort of odd I feel like this kind of weird like lonely boy I'm not here to sort of you know 
like mm. shag anyone i'm here to dance mm. to you know party for you um yeah <laughs> um but you know and and i think loneliness is a really i i actually thought some of those mental health awareness week themes can be pretty whack like i'm not gonna lie like some mm. of them i'm always like oh come the fuck on yeah and then actually the loneliness one i was like yeah to be fair that's the biggest fucking epidemic in this country as far as mm. i'm concerned mm. and it's why i get you know it's always a complex one because I, I also feel like in terms of the kind of queer lens and queer representation, especially talking about a TV show, which I've been talking about now for weeks because, you know, I've written one, but like <laughs> people really, people really, I, I, I have this feeling of like, I love the fact that there's so much queer representation on the screen. And the reason why is because for the people who live in rural, secluded, coastal, like areas where there aren't like a gay club around the corner or there isn't like, any physical manifestation of space for queer people mm. like telly is everything to a certain extent mm -hmm. like that's where you're going to see yourself reflected mm. and whilst i can you know roll my eyes at certain stuff and scoff at you know we need more representation in real life not on telly like it was like tv is an immensely incredible medium at helping plug the gap of loneliness or, or certainly mm -hmm. like fill a, a, a real valid space in people's lives and, and, and i've always benefited from that myself anytime i felt lonely i think i've always sought out solace in television like i i, I was really really mentally and, and physically unwell after my second Edinburgh fringe show happy hour which i never did again after doing it at the fringe i put mm. all my energy into turning it into big boys because i found it immensely exposing i thought it was a huge overshare mm. i thought i'd pandered to sort of the like theater people being like give us your pain give us everything give us and i and actually i gave way too much mm -hmm. and i had a real awful period in september probably about september 2017 to like december 2018 it was probably a good 14 months of real heavy up and down nidge um up and down edge that makes <laughs> sense yeah we'll take it yeah <laughs> yeah um and i think broad city saved my life quite honestly oh. yes like I watched City and and lost myself. In it. <laughs> I think at one point I even considered drawing fan art. Now that's yeah. when you knew I had depression because <laughs> <laughs> I can't draw for fucking shit. Like I was, I was so please draw some <laughs> drawing Alana with lots of marijuana leaves yeah. over her fucking head. But you know, Broad City to me was like. Broadsea, I think, has probably been one of the biggest inspirations for me behind writing Big Boys because I love writing. There's something really beautiful about two friends. I also think mm -hmm. maybe it's why when I read your guys' pitch for me to come on the podcast, I was like, oh, this is sweet. This is like two people who clearly know their shit and, and are like making something fun because the website looks very fun. But also <laughs> it's about something serious. And like I've always felt like I, I, love, I love going on a big night out with one friend. I went out last Friday with my friend Joel, who's a slightly new friend of mine, and we just had the absolute best time and giggled mm. all day. And there's something so nice about like the 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 beauty in a duo. And and anyway, in, like Broad City, when I didn't have anyone to be in my duo, I just watched that show really like lonely and depressed. And then spoke to more and more people that had also watched it and loved it. And it's like the probably probably like the one thing I can remember really made me want to write Big Boys the most was watching mm. that thinking I had mm -hmm. enough ideas that I could make something similar. <clears throat> but yeah, um, yeah, 
Yeah, God, what was the fucking question? <laughs> I just went on a rant about Bordeaux. No, no, honestly, that's one of our favourite shows. And again, is, like, yeah. when we first started this in 2018, 2019, like, I think we were still watching it at that point, or... Uh-huh. Yeah. It, re-watching it was like it around and... the time of like the sad lamp episode if you remember yeah. that. <laughs> do I do yeah. I she basically like foils her room yeah. the sad lamp's <laughs> even stronger yeah, yeah. just Incredible. like and also all the ways in which they spoke about mental health in a way that just didn't feel clunky or like mm-hmm. like she's just like shit gotta take my Annie Depp's like yeah like, <laughs> gotta take my bills and like you know big, big boys arguably have to land that stuff a bit heavier because of the context of how we're writing it and it's mm-hmm. british and it's you know channel four mm-hmm. and there's like certain stuff i've got to like you know be a bit more sensitive about that i think when you're those two girls and you're you know those two girls are riding off charisma uniqueness nerve and talent yeah yes. you know what i mean if, if any of the if any yeah. of ruse girls want to learn how to be c-u-n-t you just got to watch board that is it yeah. yeah um because even, do you know what I also love about Board City? Just because this is now like a fan show. Um, <laughs> like, seasons one to three, I'm really like, I love Abby, but oh my God, Ilana. But then mm-hmm. the last two seasons, it switches for me in a way where I don't stop loving Ilana, but I feel like that the character of Abby really has like a proper mm-hmm. character journey. And, I, and then by the 100%. absolute end of it, I love them both almost 50 50 i wouldn't be able to choose one if you gave yeah. me a gun and said i had to shoot one i'd shoot myself <laughs> oh god don't, don't want me to say that on the mental health podcast <laughs> i mean disclaimer shoot no Cheer one the fuck up jack shoot no yeah. one cheer up jack but anyway um i just i really thought that that if there's anybody who wants to like watch what i think is the greatest show of mm. our generation then i'd say broad city Mm. And I think after the election, just very quickly on that, just to continue that, very after the election, I know that they shifted the last two seasons and the kind of the tone of it because they were just like Mm. living their lives. And Mm -hmm. I read a really good interview. I think it was before either the fourth or final season when they were like, actually, we've got this absolute beast now that is the president that wants to take away our rights and do this and do that. Like we can't just keep like lolling and joking about all of these really serious things. We have to change it. So. 100% 100% I just think they were really conscious the whole time of what they were doing and they mm. and they did it right and one of the most incredible scenes in Broad City is when they are being escorts to women going into family planning abortion clinics because they're yeah. like religious fucking you know protesters anti-choice anti-choice mm-hmm. oh I do get confused between choice and pro-life oh, pro-life <laughs> those ones yeah. the bad yeah. guys basically the bad <laughs> And they were like escorting them in and like just having like a really casual, funny chat and telling mm. these protesters to go fuck themselves. It's just so fun. And I think it's, yeah. really, you know, when you can find a space to be both political and funny, so much of the industry is about shutting that stuff down. And when you can hit the right stride and hit the right time, which I think last week Lisa McGee did in the, the final special hour long episode of Dairy Girls, she did it. Thing, I still haven't like, watched it. Oh, Matthew. It's one of the greatest episodes of British comedy of all time. Like, I think Lisa McGee has has paved the way for, like, my show to, to be able to say what it needs to and be able to mm. pave the way for lots of, like, shows that are set in a geographical, specific, working-class area, but that can, like, celebrate optimism and hope and mm. and, you know, how systems of fucking 
bollocks stop people living their like lives in, in as mm. many happy peaceful ways as they want and and how we've got to kind of you know we've got to be on their back still type thing but yeah it's amazing i mean what you were saying about you know the regional representation for people um i grew up in a really small town so and in the 90s so there was you know scraps to to watch <laughs> and whatever it was watching the, the gay people were getting you know hate crime or whatever um so it wasn't very positive so this show i mean already looks like it would have been revolutionary for me to watch as a kid um can you tell us about the show please mm. yeah i mean do you know what i think i think like big boys for me it's about how i can say some jokes that are on the side of queer people that i hope a lot of straight people can find funny if that makes mm. sense so mm -hmm. like i've written it for the straight people like you know i've written it for everyone but you know it's about i suppose i really love opening the door between everyone like because mm -hmm. and i and i think it's just because realistically in my life the friendships that i've had that have supported me there's plenty of queer people in there but there's also plenty of straight people that have like really stood by me and, and mm. chosen to and and you know they don't need like overly uh, uh, you know a huge fanfare or a big pat on the back for not being a dick but you know i still want to celebrate them as much as anyone else so mm. my mind big boys it's kind of like a show that i'm hoping helps both sort of sides kind of feel seen if that makes sense mm -hmm. and I, and it's obviously immensely important to me to have like a lot of queer like comedy and queer joy and like lots of fun in there like you know i i i am i've tried to be as aware of the tropes that happen in a lot of queer shows as possible mm. and and i've tried to make sure i don't fall into them i i feel like some people fall into them completely unknowingly and, and unintentionally and others don't know about the trope and don't give a fucking shit and do it anyway. And like, yeah. I've tried to always be someone who's, you know, trying to be conscious of how I tell a story that hopefully will resonate with people because that is ultimately why you kind of want to write a show like Big Boys, you know. It's mm. it's it's so nice to work with Channel 4 on a show that, like the first line of Big Boys is the first line of the theatre show seven years before. Like, it's nice that it's gone from 48-seater to like, you know however many people watch it on thursday yeah. night and onwards so that's cool but yeah it's it's a show a university-based campus show comedy drama about two boys that meet who are at very different ends of the sort of i suppose inverted commas spectrum of masculinity and they kind of had to learn to live with each other they're thrown together and and also then they kind of learn to sort of love each other and learn to help one another mm. and support one another and this really incredible friendship of i suppose what i call protectionism right which is a word apparently i've made up because apparently that's like an economic <laughs> finance word for like helping people not pay tax but i'm, oh. I'm claiming the word protectionism yeah take it <laughs> yeah to be about you know when both sides are protect both sides are supporting one another you know the, the gay mm -hmm. characters the lead to to a certain extent and the straight best friend which is the sort of trope that i've tried to flip is is uh, they're both looking after one another just as much you know yeah mm -hmm. and and i think that's a really lovely sentiment and, and arguably if anything the gay character who jack who's slightly based on me and danny the straight character 
like Jack sometimes doesn't know how to help Danny as much as Danny knows how to help Jack. And I also think that's fine because sometimes mm. you don't exactly know what the right things are to say and you don't know what to do in those moments, but you just got to kind of be there and show up. And when you're in yeah. your late teens and early twenties, you're not going to know all those answers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you might not even know them in your late fifties. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's sort of about these two boys and then the and then the ensemble of other characters which make it so fun for me to write. And you know, we've got a character called Yemi who's played by well, I should say so Jack's played by Dylan Llewellyn from Derry Girls, the wee English fella. Mm-hmm. Danny is played by John Pointing, who is one of my best friends in real life and is like the straight guy that that I often if there's like a huge big queer event on Instagram story, I'm always looking he's there. And I'm yeah. <laughs> And his wife, Sarah, is in a sort of queer performance collective called Figs and Wigs. So, you know, they do Amazing. a lot of like the kind of category <laughs> scenes. So. He is the honorary straight boy now. <laughs> He's proved himself. Mm-hmm. And then a really phenomenal comic actor, Alyssa Adele, plays Yemi, who's the sort of like, when I first properly moved to London, I'm from Watford, but like London is still like 20 minutes down the road type thing. When I first probably moved into London, I've met so many queer kids that had done it all, seen it all, got the T-shirt, been to GAY at 16, snuck in, <laughs> fake ID, bam, bam, bam. By the time they got to 1920, they were like, I'm here to build my business. <laughs> I'm here to build my empire. And like so many queer people I knew like that who just done it all in their teens. So like they hit their early 20s and mm. he very much is that character. And and I was really conscious. He's he kind of helps everyone. He he kind of guides everyone, but he's also like, I'm not your guru. Like I'm here for my own shit. I'm here for my own yeah. ambitions. You guys do whatever the fuck you want. I'm always going to do what I want. <laughs> like you know, I'm not a cunt. I'll let you in type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then a fantastic character called Corinne. He's played by Azuka Hoyle, who is part of the original cast of Six, the musical. If you guys have ever seen that, she is honestly a bit of a revelation. I feel like she's one of the funniest sweetest most incisive actors i've ever worked with and she plays a character called corinne who's scottish and like a bit of a nerd but actually is desperate to let her hair down and go absolutely wild (laughs) and then um katie wicks who's i think like the biggest comedy legend ever plays a character called jules who's the head of the su who's this weird mad woman who's slightly based on my favorite sitcom character of all time who's alice tinker from the vicar of dibley she's amazing yeah the big boys version of alice tinker she's always getting it wrong but somehow completely mad type thing. um and then lastly camille kajuri plays my mum peggy and for me that's like one of the most important characters i could ever write and mm. and there's a sort of storyline in there of an older working class woman who is learning how to be a widow and going through that sort of process and trying to sort of still do it in a fun, silly, glamorous, you know. Mm. Her her future is just as big as the kids are, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. Um and also Camille played Jackie Tyler in Doctor Who. And I am a bit of a Doctor Who um fan. I wouldn't mm. say I'm like on the hardcore God tier level. I'm definitely <laughs> like in the middle, you know? Yeah. But like as a kid it was like mine and my dad's show that we watched a lot because he like loved mm. Doctor Who growing up and and also it's like, you know, it's always been a bit of a queer show. Shout mm-hmm. out to Ms. Russell. Mm, um lovely. so, you know, um it's so nice because it's basically in my mind, Jackie Tyler's got a gay son. Which <laughs> I'm hoping all I really want is the Doctor Who like queer fans to just be like, 
I, you know, I fought for that to happen. And I yeah. fought for it to all of us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then yeah, it's, just, it's a lovely like, lovely sort of ensemble cast show that has these sort of two boys at the heart of it figuring themselves out. Um, yeah. How did you find um, like writing for a TV show? Because I know this was your first TV gig, right? How how was that yeah. in comparison to writing your shows before? I have to sound humble. <laughs> But I absolutely no, loved. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> and I think I was quite good at it, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> See, that's a Britishness, isn't it? Being I like, oh. oh. No, I mean, I'm. A, I feel like I'm better at it because it feeds into more of my pool of influences. Like, I watched mm-hmm. loads of. I when I was a kid, I never went to plays. We never went to the theatre. We never went to art galleries. We never went to. I didn't see any of that shit that I ended up trying to sort of do weird like performance art theatre stuff and I had no basis on it at all Mm -hmm. but like I had watched every episode of The Vicar of Dibley eight times and I had watched all of Only Fools and Horses ten times and I had watched like loads of like sort of big comedies all throughout growing up and Gavin and Stacey Mm -hmm. and so I feel like actually my my cultural references were always TV comedies and sitcoms and music and Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but in the show, I use this sort of narrative device where ultimately it's a bit like I've written one really long song. It's like Mm. big boys to me, like the narrative device I use, I sort of use a technique that most pop songs use. And soundtracking the show was a huge, huge deal to me. And the director, Jim Archer, um, is honestly my favorite person I've ever worked with in my entire career. Mm. I do not trust anyone more. He is... The most incisive kind thoughtful funny man ever and me and him have spent like you know about four years working together on big boys and going from pilot stage to script stage to development to recommissioned like commission recommissioned going here shows dropped going there like we've really you know he's mm. been on the journey the, the whole time and me and him have just spent years sharing Spotify playlists and going, mm. I want this, this song in here and I want this song in here. And, mm. you know, we both loved that kind of like late noughties, early tens, the kind of like, you know, metronomy, hot chip, MIA, Santa mm-hmm. Gold, James Blake era of music. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's like yeah. soundtracks the whole show. And thankfully, we've managed to do a a, a kind of little deal with Spotify where Spotify going to host like the official playlist mm. of the show and all the songs from it which is cool so and good. i've tried to also have like you know a lot of queer music in there and a lot of like mm. new artists and stuff like that so you know that sort of side of it those are the things where i actually feel quite good at my job because mm-hmm. i'm better at writing something for tv because i know what my influences are and i think i know i think i have a greater sense of my instincts mm-hmm. than i would when i go into the theater arena you know, I feel like I'm being like really mean about theatre. Like I'm immensely <laughs> grateful for a lot of fringe theatres and places like the Roundhouse where I started writing on their kind of young people's courses. Places like Soho Theatre where I like did like loads of my early kind of comedy stuff. So I'm immensely mm. grateful for a lot of the theatre scene. At the same time, fuck them. It's just not for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> they can be a right snobby bunch sometimes yeah. too. <laughs> Um, um, how many episodes is Big Boys? There's six, six episodes, okay. and um, we're kind of releasing them in couplets, which I like. Mm-hmm. So mm. you know that, and and I think it's nice because they kind of feel like a lot of the the two apps, kind of one and two go hand in hand, three and four go hand in hand, five and six go hand in hand, which is mm-hmm. really nice. So 
and then it, the whole thing will be available though as a box set after episode two airs on channel mm-hmm. four this thursday which is fun mm. amazing so, yeah amazing Exciting did you ever time. watch girls or looking no do you know what i'm quite bad apart from broad city i haven't got a huge um depth of american tv influences that I so know that's I like the change. holy trinity for me because it was kind of it was all the same era yeah yeah, yeah. so it was like and it, they used to do i think it was maybe when it was on like sky atlantic at one point but yeah, they used yeah. to do one hour would be like two of them and at oh, one, i think at cool. one point it was like i think when looking was on girls had finished and then they swapped Great. but there was like always a duo of things and yeah it all even though it was in that instance it was a separate obviously series just the stories worked so well together because it was all the same sort of themes and yeah even the way it was shot like it was all just i loved having that like double double yeah thing, rather than one full hour i mean i think it's a nice <laughs> i think when about i think it's a nice thing because it, it's i mean i'm really conscious that big boys is coming straight after dairy girls and you know that has been kind of by design in a way mm. and i think that big boys wouldn't exist without dairy girls like i think lisa has really paved the way for the the, the level of writing that she's you know mm. managed to like get on channel four and do so brilliantly with and mm-hmm. you know i'm really sort of i i'm an i'm owe a huge debt to her and to, to what she's managed to create um and also like I, I i also quite like the fact that you know dylan in particular he's his his role in dairy girls is very different but he's just one of the most lovable people to watch on the screen you mm. just always root for him and like, I mean, I've now, you know, known him about four years and he's just one of these people who he he will just put in like the extra mile. Like he mm. speaks quite a lot about being dyslexic and, and he mm. gets scripts early so he can really learn everything. And you know, when you just watch someone put in like the extra effort and your heart just melts for them. And like he mm. went straight from shooting big boys to shooting Derry girls. Like, I don't even think he had like a day in between. He like flew from like London to Belfast was on set rehearsing and like I don't know it's just something about him he just takes everything in his stride and I think people are going to watch the show and really sort mm. of fall for for his depiction and John Pointing as well who plays Danny I think like I really hope that a lot of queer viewers know that sort of lad's lad who actually is rooting for everyone and on the surface mm. of it looks like a bit of a basic FHM mag guy, but really at the core, there's somebody very open-minded and somebody who's who's willing to put their money where their mouth is when it comes to sort of defending everyone and standing mm. up for everyone. And I've met loads of straight men like that. And and I feel conscious that I, I, I if I'm gonna be depicting straight characters, they, they are the straight characters who I want to see more of Mm-hmm. I want to see more allies on the screen being very like unashamedly allied. Yeah. And and you know that's something that I'm quite proud of in the show. I'm so excited to watch it. So excited. Thanks guys. When I, the, when I saw the trailer I was like <gasps> I sent yeah. I think I sent it straight to you, sent yeah. it to my boyfriend. I was just like oh my god this is like especially I need to catch up on Derry Girls but then that's next for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. But Derry Girls is going to be after this cuz I, I need think, to sit and I think I'm you can watch them season either 2 order. at the minute. I'd yeah. love for them to have. A, to, I think the the Derry Girls Big Boys synergy is maybe similar to the girls looking synergy. Like mm. there's 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 a similarity in in I suppose ambition and optimism mm. between Derry Girls and this. And 
and you know how we kind of can celebrate friendship ultimately mm. that's what both shows at the core are about yeah like a set against the backdrop of a lot of shit going on friendship yeah. is <laughs> the solution baby <laughs> big boys comes out on thursday the 26th of may at 10 p.m on channel four episodes one and two all available on all four straight away afterwards as is the spotify playlist woo what a plug Thank He's you. done that before. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Thanks so much, Jack, for joining us. It was bloody lovely. Yeah, it was honestly I'm I've mentioned but I'm very excited to get into all of those episodes um, and such a beautiful gorgeous cast as well oh stunning for all those gagging to know you can find Jack at Jack Dave Rook on Instagram and at Jack Rook on Twitter we hope you love that episode we hope that you tune in to Channel 4 to watch the first episodes and then all four to binge the rest of them following episode 2 we'll add links to everything that we talk about Um, on the website and also most likely in the episode notes so scroll Mm -hmm. down and click away have a little click 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 yeah and while you're there click subscribe and five stars review and um, (laughs) then I think you'll be on your way (laughs) and don't forget you can do that on either but preferably both Spotify and Apple Podcasts (laughs) and as we mentioned we really do value every every second that you take uh-huh. to do that little rating and on again if you do a review you make a funny what can we what can we ask people to do in this one brendan well if you just do a review we can um we'll, we'll just shout <laughs> it out <laughs> that'd be that'd be great so if you want to be famous famous rich and famous then write a review because <laughs> honestly money can't buy having you know fame and glamour no one, fame and glamour <laughs> You know, it's end. So <laughs> oh, yeah. it's end um, by doing the work, the Lord's work, which is <laughs> writing reviews on podcast platforms. Lord with an E. <laughs> so with that being said, <laughs> that really is your <laughs> Have a gorgeous time until we come back with the next episode, which we're gonna keep as a secret for now. Mm-hmm. I don't know when <laughs> it will be <laughs> but it will be soon because we are officially in season 4 now so yeah thank you so much for listening thanks for sticking with us yeah. <laughs> um, if you're still listening honestly power to you yeah TikTok and TikTok. and don't forget you're doing amazing, amazing sweetie. sweetie love you bye <laughs> <laughs>
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.